going on, everybody? You are listening to Run It Back on Wildcat 91.9. I am your host, Jasmine Halliburton, and we have two very special guests with us here in the studio today. We have Cole Carmody and Colin Suttle. How y'all doing today? Doing great. Thank you for having us on here. It's been a minute since I've been in the studio, but I got to tell you, we were talking before the show started. It just feels right. Just feels right, don't it? Though it feels good to be back, man. I graduated and I didn't leave. I'm still, I'm still <laughs> here. I'm still kicking around, man. I ain't going anywhere. That's good. You doing, <laughs> you doing me a real solid by coming in here today. But guys, this has been one heck of a weekend of sports. But Crazy. before we get into anything, we need to shout out our six foot six queen Aoka Lee for dropping sixty one points on fourteenth ranked OU. Oh. She now leads all the. Uh, Division one women in scoring ever. I mean, like ever. That That's record crazy. is hers to hold until it gets broken again. I think she. I think I saw that she also like outscored thirty nine other women's teams by herself. Yep. Yesterday. So. That's yeah. Insane. She's a beast. She's incredible. Well, I think what's so crazy about it is the fact that the girl who had the record before Brittany did it in Reiner. two overtimes. Now that part, I did not know. I yeah. see. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, like, I knew it was Brittany Griner who in, held, who in held the record. Sixteen. Well, is that what you're talking about? there was or a the one in twenty nineteen. So yeah. Brit, so Brittany Griner got it in like twenty sixteen. Yeah. And then there was a girl. I'd have to go back and look, but there was a girl in twenty nineteen who got it in two overtimes. That's who oh, Aokali Aoka Lee oh beat, gosh. and she did it in. They played forty minutes. She did it in like thirty seven. She, did, she something. didn't. She didn't even finish shoot the a single quarter. three. She That's was on the incredible. block the whole game and shot free throws. I'm just saying, and you, just another thing that I found out that Oklahoma they had the second rate, like highest offense. Yeah. in right. all of women's division one, they they score eighty eight points per game. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. They had sixty four. That's awesome. And I believe K State has the women's team has like the number one defense in the Big Twelve right has now. Has to this team. Gosh, this team is so solid, and they're so young. I mean, if and it sucks. I put this on my Twitter the other day. It's like it's a shame that the NCAA does not let women like go automatically go into the WNBA like they do with men. Like with the men's, you can play one year and then you can automatically declare for the draft. With the women, you have to at least wait till you're like 21 or at least graduated mm. before you can do that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people didn't know that. I was like, hey, if you have heard of Paige Beckert, she would have gone yeah. number one overall last year. If she was not a freshman. So if she if Aoka Lee decides to stay, because I think she's 22, so she could be able to declare for the WNBA if she wants to. But if she stays and does like that extra year for COVID, along with this young core that our women's team has, I mean, I don't want to go all out there and insane. But if we can just end this streak of not winning a national championship in any sport that's not like what bass fishing, yeah. that'd be fantastic. I think I, you make a good point with that because I've I've watched the women pretty closely this year. Like this is the first time really since I've been at K-State that I've paid attention to the women's team. And in and, and part it was because of their non-conference schedule. They played South Carolina. They played NC State. Those two teams are in the top four in the country. Or they were in the top four. I think NC State may have lost to Louisville the other night. But, but South Carolina is still South Carolina, yeah. still South Carolina. They right. the best teams, if not the best team in the country. K-State has played the best teams in the country, and they lost, right? Early in the season, they played them. I think they lost for like 15 points or so each game. But to me, you're not afraid to go play the big dogs. And let's be honest, Jeff Mitty was he was a coach who you're looking at like if he has a bad year, he may not be back next year, right? Sure, he can bring in all this talent, but they have struggled to win games. They had high expectations last season. They really didn't live up to them. This year, they have just come out of the gate and started in Big 12 play especially and just looked phenomenal. We we were at the game. I was at the game when they played Iowa State, and they were the better team the entire game. 
Iowa State wins it on a last-second shot. Kind of, you know, the momentum starts to go down. They go to Texas Tech. They play... Texas Tech plays the best game of the season for them, and K-State ends up losing. And so I think maybe that's what dropped K-State out of the rankings. But, you know, specifically this game, this game with this game against Oklahoma, Oklahoma was a two-loss team. They had two losses on the entire season, number 14, and they dominated them. Like, there was no question from the opening tip. There was no question who was going to win. Absolutely no question at all. I mean, honestly, Ayoka, she looked like she was playing with toddlers, bro. After I was, because I didn't get a chance to look at the game. <laughs> so I saw the, I, I saw some of the highlights. I was like, bro, these children aren't even there. Like, no one's, like, I know when they finally, when she got her, you know, her 61st point before they took her out the game, I was like, man, it doesn't even look like they want to play defense on her anymore because why would you? I'd be embarrassed. The coach, the coach was for, for Oklahoma, and, and pardon me, I'm not very familiar with Oklahoma women's basketball coaches. Uh, sorry about that. It's but cool. <laughs> I will tell you this she was furious. The first five minutes of the game, she was absolutely furious because every single time K-State came down and Serena Sundell just threw the ball to Aoka Lee, she caught it, turned around, made a shot. Easy. And she's just bullying them. Like, there's no she's other way around it. She's getting double she's getting triple team. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter because she's bigger than everyone else on the floor, and she's just going to body people up. And she, the other thing I think is impressive, she only had one foul throughout that entire game. Which I thought was absolutely insane. Getting bodied up down low and just backing into people and putting it up. She only had one foul throughout that entire game. I do want to throw it back because you brought up something interesting on whether or not she's going to leave. I don't think she will. I think, obviously, she already, like, graduated. She's a grad student going through the graduate program right now to get her master's in, it's like children's... some social work, some, something yeah, like something like children's yeah. development or early life development or something like that. I don't think she'd leave. I think she's going to stick around as long as she, like, wants to, obviously, but as long as she can, as long as she's still, like, going to get that degree, I think is the is the main target for her right now, and basketball is just kind of like a whole other side thing for her. Right? I think That's I think, I think it's fun for her. I don't think it's it's much of, like a, like, a job like you'd see from some other athletes or stuff like that, right? I think she thinks it's fun, and obviously she has more aspirations and goals in life, which I think is great. So I think she's treating this more like a side thing where it's fun, where she can do what she wants, and then eventually, once she gets her degree, she get her master's, go help people, go play basketball, do whatever she wants to do. But I, I, don't, I don't think she's going anywhere until she finishes Bro, her degree. she's dropping 61 points as a hobby. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, could you imagine? I'm just, I'm just saying right now, 61 points. We saw it. Those like OU just wasn't even there. I would, I sure, yeah, I'd stop playing defense if she dropped, gave me a 50 burger, but that's what it was. But back to something you know, from good the case they did to something that was really rough and very hard to us to watch, to very bad, all that kind of fun stuff. And gosh, words are hard, but it sucks because K State lost to KU. In a kind of upsetting fashion. Hey man, Nigel uh, Pack. Nigel, Nigel Pack, Pack is that he dude, balled though. out. He had 35 points, but I, but I, it sucks that it's kind of overshadowed by us giving up a 17 point lead. It does suck, and I think what's so frustrating if you're a K State fan is the fact that you did have that big lead on them, right? I mean, you go into this game and you know, if you've watched K State basketball play at all this season. You know that every single game they play is going to be close, and it's going to be close because they play good defense. Defense will keep you in games at the collegiate level, and that's what it's done for K State all season. Are they two and five right now? Yes. Bill Self said after the game that K State should be five and two or six and one in conference, and I fully believe him. Part of that has to do with COVID. 
you know, early in the season, their first four games, they didn't have their full team. They're like seven players at one point, right? right there, right? You didn't have your head well. coach, like Play, yeah. that. So the first four games of the season, you have that. That's a huge aspect. And then you finally get your team back, and you win two in a row. That's why this game with KU was so important. It was because you had your whole team. You finally got some momentum, and you're going to play a Kansas team that is probably better than they have been. They're not as good as they were the year that in the COVID wiped out the NCAA tournament. They're better than they were last year. This Kansas team. I think they're ranked seventh right now. I I, I think eventually. I think they're up to five. I was yeah. going to say, I think, yeah. Five, so they're a top five team. Um, and what's so frustrating is K-State looked like the better team for 20 minutes. For sure. I mean, maybe if you want to even say 30 minutes. Sure, they were losing there um, in the second half. They uh, they lost in the, quote-unquote, they lost in the second half. But, I mean, they looked like the better team, position by position. You look at their guards, Nigel Pack was better than any single guard that KU had. Now, 100%. the bigs, that's a whole different story. Dave McCormick Dave McCormick just bullied the Kansas State post players. I'm sure we're going to talk about that. But um, I think what's so frustrating about the loss is that you did look like the better team. You really did. They absolutely did. And it's just the it was so night and day from that first half to that second one. And a huge thing that had to go with that is KU, they had 30 free throw attempts. K-State only had 18, and they were 11 for 18. KU was 21 for 30. And KU had 14 fouls to K-State's 24 fouls. That was a was huge horrible. officiating. Oh, my goodness. I swear, Bill Self gave the refs a little stern talking to with a finger wax. Say, hey, y'all need to get it together. Y'all, y'all want y'all Hellcats next month or what? I think, that's what he, <laughs> I think that's what he said because they started getting real stingy and they started out from the jump, from the get-go. And it was that was just a huge part of it. And another part is what you said, Colin. K-State was out-rebounded 45-23. to 23. That was what's really killing us, especially down the stretch, or at least those build up to being killing us down the stretch. And I think K-State's they're probably their biggest weakness is their big man. They they don't have a solid big man. Davion Bradford, uh, Casey Eziegu, and Carlton Lingard. They don't. I, I don't want to. I don't know their potential just yet, and I hate that I haven't seen it very much. If so, it's only been maybe one or two times in their two seasons that they have been here but big it's that's been a problem factor for us i would say since dj johnson yeah that they've never been able to get like a certified big man to put it in the hoop who just just the solid five he doesn't necessarily have to shoot jumpers like you know like the basketball is evolving too with seven footers shooting you know three pointers and stuff like it doesn't necessarily have to be like that you just need someone to be a bully in the paint and we just have not had that no so i i like i like davion I like Davion Bradford. I liked him ever since he committed. He's from like St. Louis, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I remember when he committed. I, you know, that whole I just because like true seven footer. Like that's that's what impressed me the most. He's like a big He's dude. That's somebody we haven't had in a while, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, but I think the thing with him is I think he's still working through some of those lingering injury issues where he was out pretty much. All the off season, I believe it was, and you know he put on, he put on a little weight. He was looking a little big toward the toward the beginning of the season. He wasn't able to play toward the start, and I think not being in good shape and not being conditioned really hurt him. And I think it's just going to take a minute for him to get back into it. The thing about Casey Ziegu is he looks impressive. Yes, he looks like an absolute freaking dude. He's massive. He's toned. Not trying to get like weird with it, but he's just like a good, impressive looking athlete, right? Yeah. yeah. Now he just needs to start playing like it. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, I think like, they have that talent. God, they just, man. 
This, the Big be more 12 physical. Is the be big, more physical. Exactly. My, my only issue with Davian Bradford is if you're seven feet tall and you're standing right below the hoop, go dunk, dunk it. it. Go dunk that ball. Don't go. What, no what, what was it? The was it T TCU where we lost at the very end because like he tried to lip it up just a little bit. Go dunk that man. Go put that ball down because you can do it. Plus, you're probably gonna get fouled on that. So whether or not you make it or not, you're gonna go to the line to try and get points. So. I want to see them be more physical. That's the biggest thing about the big man down low. I hope Carl Lingard gets more minutes because, like, Grant, I don't, I don't know anything about the guy. I, I wish him the best, and I hope he, I hope he's good. But like, I just don't know anything about him because he hasn't played enough mm-hmm. for me to like yeah. see it, right? But be more physical down low is like my big thing with the big guys right now. I'm, I'm with you on that, and I think you hit the nail on the head talking about Davion because he was out, and a lot of people forget that he had pneumonia at the start of the season. He did, yeah. And and, and I think you know from talking with Coach Weber and, and talking with the players and, and really trying to get a sense on this team, I think the one thing that I'll take away from the injuries and him having pneumonia, and I, I've talked about this before, but there's a difference between a little guy getting pneumonia and a big guy getting pneumonia, right? If Marquise Noel gets sick, the odds of him being able to fight it off, you know, be able to get back in shape a little bit easier as opposed to Davion Bradford. Davion Bradford was sick. That's something that a lot of people don't realize. Like, he was to the point where he was very close to having to go to the hospital when he got this, right? No, that I didn't know. Yeah, and so, like, he was sick. And to try and get him back in shape, you know what they say, every day you miss, that's three days. That's three days. In, in athletics, if you are out one day of practice, that's really like missing three days of conditioning. So he's still working back. Bruce Weber's talked about it. He hoped to have him back to full strength by Christmas. Well, that didn't happen. He's still not back to full strength. He's starting, but he's only starting because Casey Eziegu's production has really fallen off. And I don't think that's Casey's fault. I think Casey is the hardest working player on the team. I really do. If you watch him, he's over there. He's on the sidelines. He's cracking his hips. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but, like, he's just so, like, he plays with a giant knee brace on. I mean, he works so hard. He's just, talent-wise, he's not as, he's not there. He's not there talent-wise. It's not his fault. He had that knee surgery. He lost a lot of athleticism. But he's a grinder. That's a guy I want on my team because I know he's going to grind it out. Even if he's not very good, he's still going to give you quality minutes. But Davion Bradford has the potential to be a very good big man. We saw it at the end of last year. He's just still trying to get back. But, he, but at the same time, at some point, the excuses have to be done. You, you have to right. produce. You have to produce at some point. There's no more excuses, and you have to produce. And that's kind of where I'm starting to get with Davion. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, he's only a sophomore, right? Right. So he definitely has room to improve. Like, I like his size. We haven't had someone – that big and probably athletic in a minute and just it just takes some conditioning it takes some time to you know sometimes not everyone can have a generational talent who's like a one and done not everyone can do that and especially with the big 12 probably being the toughest conference the past two years in basketball that weakness has really showed up because this is this is a conference where literally the worst team is good that I, I would I feel confident enough to say that mm-hmm. and so that's something that we really have to focus on and that's why we haven't utilized our big men very much because so far they haven't really been trusted just yet because I guess our leading rebounder is Mark Smith mm-hmm. he's like he's like a guard small forward yeah, type Mark, Mark type did not have a good game and Mark did not have a good I don't know what game. to think about that but he he did not have he, a good game he was like over two or three he only, from, he only attempted like maybe point. three yeah. shots and he only had like two points in the game, and he still played like at least twenty minutes. Well, he so. didn't. The thing with Mark Smith, and I've talked about this before too, but I love Mark Smith. Oh, I, I love, I the love guy, him yeah. too. You have got to be as aggressive as you were against Texas. Mm-hmm. At, against Texas, mm-hmm. when K State couldn't score to start the game, 
He said, all right, I'm getting the ball, I'm going to the hoop. He didn't do that at Missouri the last three years. He didn't do that at Illinois the year he was there. He has the trust of Bruce Weber, Chris Lowry, Shane Southwell, Jermaine Henderson, all the coaches, to get the ball and go get a bucket. I understand Nigel was the one who was doing all of the scoring. Abaji was doing all the scoring for KU, but they still had other options. You've got to step up. Somebody had to have stepped up in that game and said, Nigel is the man, but I'm going to take some pressure off of him. Guess what? We saw what happened against Texas when Marcus Carr was just going absolutely ballistic, making every single shot. K-State said, okay, well, <laughs> you, play the law of, you play the law of averages, that ain't going to keep up. And it didn't because K-State won because he missed a shot at the end of the game. Somebody else had to step up for K-State to beat KU because that it just took one, right? Mike McGurl, non-existent. Mark Smith, non-existent. Those are two seniors. That can't happen in a big game like that. It just can't. I think Mark Smith needs to continue to be aggressive. And even if you don't make a layup, go to the hoop. Try and get fouled. If you if you don't get fouled, guess what? I'd rather have you miss a layup than dribble around until there's two seconds on the shot clock and jack up a logo three. Exactly. At the, at, at the end of the day, K-State has a guy who can go get a bucket in Mark Smith. So go do it, Mark. Don't be don't be don't be afraid. Exactly. And this in K-State, they have so much potential. They've always have had a lot of potential. It's just never been capitalized on. So I have this question for you guys, and it's been debated pretty much for the past three seasons now. What is Bruce Weber's future with this team? So, yeah, I'll field it first. So and it's a tough one. It's a tough one to catch. Right. This this isn't a routine fly ball. I think in a lot of fans minds after TCU, like they thought there was going to be an announcement Mm -hmm. three days later that he was going to retire at the end of the season. And this whole year was just going to be like a like a farewell tour. And then they get senior night and he shows up. And, like, you do the senior thing with Mike and Mark and all those guys, and then you give Bruce his own little tribute, and hopefully the fans don't boom too much, right? But then what happens? You go out and you beat a ranked team. And then what happens? You go out and beat another ranked team. And then what happens? You take on KU, and you're up double digits at halftime. And you say, oh, hold up. Something special might be brewing here in in the octagon, right? But then you lose that game. And quick tangent, I don't think that loss to KU was Bruce's fault. I agree. I think it was a lot of bad shot selection. I think it was a lack of rebounding. It was a lack of aggressiveness. And I think that's all from the players. Because you can't – coaches can't do that. It's a two-way street, right? Coaches are going to do what they can to put you in the best position. But then you have to be able to go out and, like, perform. And the guys just didn't perform. So I'm not going to put that loss to KU on Bruce, right? But this team can get it done, man. And they've proven that they can get it done, right? So, And it's going to be a hard stretch. It's going to be a really hard stretch. There are a lot of really good teams that you still have to face, both away and at home, right? So in my mind right now, after what I've seen, obviously after TCU, I was like, all right, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and get them out of here. After those last two games, I was like, okay, maybe he's still got something left. And then after this game, I still think he's got something left, guys. I really think that – and granted, I don't know the details of his contract. I don't know – obviously, I don't think Gene Taylor is going to be the type of guy that's going to, like, ax him midseason. That's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. He just, he just doesn't seem like that kind of guy. But I do think Bruce is going to last till the end of the year. 
and it's really going to depend on how this team does down the stretch because it's it's tough. You have to play Oklahoma twice still, I believe. You got Baylor coming up. You still have to play Iowa State again. It's like this is tough. The Big 12 is the hardest basketball conference in the nation. It's what the SEC is to mm-hmm. football is what the Big 12 is to basketball K-State, in my mind right now. K-State is the best team to be two and five, yeah, in any yeah, conference, I agree. Probably, and I in don't. I just years. don't think a lot of that is on Bruce right now. And granted, I I didn't watch a lot of the beginning season, right? I, I was still caught up in doing whatever I was doing, right? So I didn't see those out of conference games. And I didn't really start watching this team till we got in conference. So I think, I think, I I just don't. I just don't think it's it's time yet. I still think there's a little bit left in the tank for Bruce. I agree, but I want to preface this by saying. You cannot excuse the last two mm-hmm. seasons because those were the worst seasons in the history of Kansas State basketball. In the history of Kansas State basketball. A, a, a program that has been historically rich. Sure, people can look at and think back on recent years. Right By re- recent, I mean before Frank Martin. You look at Jim Woolridge, that, those eras, right? 94 to 2006. That era right there. That era, that, that, that's 12 years, but those 12 years are not nearly as good as K-State was in in the early 90s, in the 80s, in the 70s, in the 60s, in the 50s. K-State was KU. From 1950 to 1980, K-State was what KU is now, right? People forget about that. And I understand that that maybe doesn't affect us, that definitely doesn't affect the program right now, but for the donors, for the big money people who do determine Bruce Weber's future, that does matter. Because they were alive then. They remember those years. So, there's a statement every single time K-State plays in Bramlage Coliseum. When you look, if you're sitting in the student section, if you look across the court and you see those three sections and you're like, well, why the heck aren't those people here? Guess what? Those are the big money people. Those big money people have made a statement. They have made it clear that they want a change in head coach. Absolutely. And if you're, but Real quick, if you're Gene Taylor, that's who you listen to. Sadly, that's who you listen to because at the end of the day, it's all about the money. Now, my personal opinion... I think if Bruce Weber makes the NCAA tournament, he deserves to stay. But at the end of the day, you had the mass exoduses. You had the two worst seasons in the history of Kansas State basketball. That falls back on the head of the on the head of the program. You want to look at it on the other way around too. He's won two Big Twelve championships. No coach in K State's history has ever done that. That's so true, and it's so tough because you know there's like the highs are highs and the lows are incredibly low. But I think I don't know why this is not coming up as much, but. No one seems to be talking about that Bruce Weber lost, I think, the entire recruiting class of what, right. 2019. Exactly. Like, that I got, a, I got a hot take on Everyone, that. like, so, transferred out. And I don't know how hot it is. I don't know how other people feel. I think that's Cartier Jara's fault. I really think that sure. his explosion and his whole, I don't even know what to call it, you know, like the meltdown of that whole situation, that was, what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. yeah. I just think that, and granted, like, Say what you will about Cardi with, you know, the KU play and, like, whatever else he was able to do. The way that he exploded and the way that he kind of just started to disregard the team, I think, is what started it. And then along with him, you got some other toxic players on that team. Uh, and to, it was uh, Antonio Gordon. Yeah. Like, that dude didn't belong. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't belong here. And then you got some other kid, the the Manhattan kid, whose name I don't remember because he transferred – out oh, somewhere uh, else. He had a funny um, name. He did have a funny name, and now I can't think of it. But Dejuan? No, 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 no. no. 
Mm, gosh, he was my he was some a tall, like lanky neighbor. kid. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of his name. At the he end, walk on that he never played. He at never played. At the end of the day, but but yeah, hot hot take or not, I I think it might have been Cardi's fault that that all that happened. I don't think it's on Bruce. No, I think that he, was Cardi. No, I, I don't think I don't think that's a hot take. But I do think it's important to note that he was the one that brought those players in. Right, mm-hmm. Bruce's Bruce's locker rooms are player driven. Barry Brown took the reins and said, "Ah, we're zero two in conference play, but it's my senior year. I'm not letting this happen." Right? What'd they do? They went on, they lost two games the rest of the year, went 14-2 and two the rest of the way in conference, won the Big 12. He was the one behind that. Not Bruce. And that's not a knock on Bruce. That's not a knock on Bruce. But right now, this is Nigel Pack and Mark Smith's team. You, you watch those guys warm up, Nigel Pack is the one who is leading the charge. You watch how they rally around Mark Smith. Those two guys are leaders on this team. Mike McGurl, same situation. Those two guys are those three guys are the leaders in the nucleus of this team. Mike McGurl doesn't start, but he plays a major role right now. Those three guys are the ones that are going to decide how the season turns out the rest of the way. And quite honestly, it could decide Bruce's Bruce's future with K State. And I, I think there's only way if K State makes the if they don't make the NCAA tournament, you got to make a change. And if that means players leave, that means players leave. Quite honestly, if you don't make the NCAA tournament three years in a row, maybe that's more on the players than it is the coaches. Right? I don't know. I think I think that's that might just seal the deal though, because what you got me eighteen games and we still we only got ten right now. So I mean, if you're saying like you got to make a tournament to keep your job, I don't know. I don't know if that's gonna right. I, don't I mean, know if it's that's gonna happen. K State. It's gonna be. It's gonna be tough. K State. According to Joe Lenardi, there's eight teams projected in the NCAA tournament, and K State was on like the next four out. So take that for what it's worth. Also keep in mind. There's only nine teams eligible for the big for the NCAA tournament this year because Oklahoma State has the postseason ban. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, are all the eligible teams going to make the NCAA tournament? I find that hard to believe. It'd but be awesome. I do think K State's talent, talent wise, they're in the top six oh, yeah. of the conference. Oh, yeah. So there's no reason they can't go on a run and 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 win some games here. And if they do that, they're going to make the tournament. But if they don't, I think Bruce needs to be gone. Absolutely. This. This year was obviously going to be his defining year. I always, I always give coaches three years. Like it just seems to be like, what are you going to do? If you improve every year, awesome. If you don't, and this is like the best you can do, that's it. That's that's what you got. You got to uh, go. Didn't like Dan Campbell with the Lions? Didn't he have some quote where it was like, something can't grow overnight. You got to give it like six years or something. He referenced like some rapper or something. I don't remember what he said, but he's like, somebody didn't win their Grammy until. Like six years, seven, eight years into their career, so, some, some stupid like that. But yeah, I'd okay, this, uh, this is a world that moves you. too yeah, fast. Yeah, Ain't no one got time to wait six years. Okay, those are loser programs. Just ask Jason <laughs> Garrett when he was with the Cowboys for ten years. Okay, but anyway, I digress from that. But back to what made this weekend probably the best NFL playoff weekend probably in the history of the sport, if not in the first time in a very long time. There was four games decided by a Wild. final play, and oh. three of those games came from a game-winning field goal. Like, this weekend was so incredibly insane, and it kicked off what uh, seems like 20 years ago was on Saturday with Tennessee and the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow being sacked nine times. Nine times. No one ever gets sacked nine times and wins. But they ended up getting the dub at the number one seed, in Nashville, Tennessee, and it was just I don't think I, said, I don't think anyone throws three interceptions and wins a game. Like, that's that's true. That was, I think that's what that's what did it. Ryan Tannehill just 
through the game. They did all they could do. Like we sacked we sacked the man nine times. What else do you want yeah. us to do? Yeah. Then Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill just couldn't get it done. He just three interceptions. Uh and that that's the that's the biggest deciding factor in that game. Like save Chua by Joe Burrow, save Chua by Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, that whole offense. T. Higgins got involved, I believe, as well. You can't throw three picks and expect to win a playoff game. Like you that's can't. just no. it's it's Ryan Tannehill. That game's on him. That's that's where I stand. Especially with that especially Cincinnati did a great job of limiting Derrick Henry. Now you can sit here and talk about how big of a factor Derrick Henry. You know, is was it a smart decision to bring him back? Was he really fully ready for a playoff game? Personally, I get that they had the bye, and so that's why they did it. But you have the whole season without Derrick Henry, and you still get the number one seed. Why are you rushing him back? You really shouldn't, especially when you had a player, what is his name, Deontay Foreman, going yeah. absolutely off. He had, like, four rushes for yeah. 66 yards. He was averaging, like, over, what, 16 yeah. yards per carry. I was like, you've gotten this far without Derrick Henry. does not mean that he is not important to this team. We all thought they were done for when he when he got hurt and it was going to be out for the rest of the season. We thought they were done for, but they were able to get the number one seed in a tough AFC conference who was talented in just about every division almost. So for them to be able to get there, that's great. But it just ended up being Ryan Tannehill just not getting it done. And now the biggest question, like, what do now what do they do with Ryan Tannehill? Because he, he, they've been actually pretty solid since mm-hmm. they've been there. But now it's that final hump. And so, like, what what's really what's what's stop them? What's stopping them from moving on from Ryan Tannehill really and getting someone maybe possibly like Aaron Rodgers? We'll get to that in a second. Sorry, Colin. But what's 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 the next play here? Because they everything was going for them this season. Yeah, I think if you're, I think if you're the Titans, you have to look around the AFC and really ask yourself: In three years, will we be back in this position? I think the answer to that question is no, because you look at the quarterbacks in this league, in this conference. You have Josh Allen, you have Justin Herbert, you have Lamar Jackson, and then you have Patrick Mahomes. Those are the top four quarterbacks in this league, and I guess you can throw Joe Burrow in there too. I think you should. He's gotten this far. Throw Joe Burrow in there, but you have. Wait, wait, did you not put Justin Herbert in there? I did. No, he did. Okay, I did. Yeah, okay. yeah. I zoned out for a second. So, the, I like, so what? I would say you know, <laughs> top five in in no particular order. You have Herbert, you have Burrow, you have Mahomes, you have Allen, and then you have whoever else I just mentioned. Jackson. Okay, top five. Brian Tannehill's not in there. He's not going to get any better. He is as good as he will get. That is the bottom line. You're not going to go out and draft another quarterback because you've got a There's good team. no quarterbacks to draft. There's right nobody now. to draft right now. Yeah. So they're stuck with him. <laughs> they're stuck with him, right? But when they sign him with that long-term deal, that's what you get. You got a guy in Ryan Tannehill who is Alex Smith. Ryan Tannehill is Alex Smith. He will get you there, but he will not win it. Because guess what? Do you really think if the roles were reversed and Ryan Tannehill was on the Buffalo Bills or Ryan Tannehill was on the Kansas City Chiefs that that game would have happened at all? The answer hell is no. hell no. No way. So, yeah, the Titans have to really look at themselves and say, we had a great year this year. But even if they beat the Bengals, they're not beating the Chiefs. They're not beating the Bills. There's no way. So you have got to reassess, I think, if you're the Tennessee Titans. But if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, you just got to be over ecstatic right now. That was that was the best win, I think, by any team um, in the playoffs so far, maybe take out the 49ers against the Packers, and we'll talk about that. I'm sorry, Colin. I know it's a rough spot. But, like, 
nobody expected Cincinnati to get this far, nope. especially when they looked like that against Oakland, right? I mean, they looked terrible against Oakland, and somehow they won. And, and they lost to the, uh, to the Jets. Right. So, I mean, you know what? It's one of those things where <laughs> I don't think either one of these teams is going to make it to the Super Bowl, and we'll talk about that. But, like, I, I do think that the Titans really have to reassess because I don't think they're going to have a better chance than what they had this year. I think the biggest thing for me looking after, like, skimming ahead a few weeks, right, into the postseason – we got to look at cap space, and I think that's the biggest thing is because a lot of players are going to be free agents, and a lot of players are going to want to make a lot of money, right? Tennessee is 24th in the league right now in cap space, meaning they don't have a lot of money to spend, right? Then you look <coughs> toward the bottom of the barrel, right? Five worse, the Giants, uh, Minnesota, Dallas, Green Bay, New Orleans, Right. So those are teams that are going to have to give up some players here because they can't re-sign who they have. And I'll get into Green Bay here in a second because half their freaking roster is going to be free agents. So if you're Tennessee, it's going to be interesting to see what you can do. You're really going to have to be money savvy. You really have to hope who – and I'm not you know, the most – like Cole said about Oklahoma women's basketball, I'm not the most well-versed in, you know, Titans office management, right? I don't know who's up there running the show with all the money and everything, but, I mean, you got to have some real savvy people up there that know what they're doing to bring in some players to hopefully get past that hump. Because it seems like that's where they're at. They can yeah. get there, but they just can't get over that hump. So we'll see what they do with the whole money line and that whole situation but yeah cap space is something i think people don't talk about enough and i think it's a lot bigger factor than people think it is got you i totally agree but now we need to get on the flip side of it the Bengals, like you said cole they're in a position that a lot of us didn't think that they were going to be and they kind of remind me of the jaguars i think back in 2017 that's a great yeah. person oh yeah uh, where it's yeah. kind of like like who like yo who would have thought? But it was more so like their defense carrying them and not Blake Bortles. I feel like this is slightly different because obviously Joe Burrow is a better football player than Blake Bortles. But if they, for some reason, go in to Arrowhead Stadium and knock off the Chiefs, something that even Josh Allen could not do, what is that going to mean for this going forward? Because keep in mind, Joe Burrow, he does not have an offensive line, mm-hmm. obviously for someone who got sacked nine times. So what does this mean for the entire AFC, if not the entire NFL, if that's what Joe Burrow can do next weekend? It's like, you know, I think the Bengals are one of those teams to where, you know how in college football, you know, the comparison is, is striking. It's, it's, it's strikingly similar to the, the, a team they share their own city with, and that is the Cincinnati Bearcats, right? They're a good team. They're a really good team. Just nobody saw that coming. They play in a pretty bad division. Right, Cincinnati Bearcats play in the American, and the Cincinnati Bengals play in the AFC North. The Ravens didn't have their starting quarterback, and the Steelers didn't have a quarterback. They had just had an old guy back there pretending to play quarterback. Very old. Somehow they won. Somehow they won. And and then you got the Browns, who again, the only guy they they have they have an actor who stars in State Farm commercials playing quarterback. Right. So there's no quarterbacks in the AFC North. That's why the Bengals won it. This is, pretty, this is pretty good commercials. Though. They're pretty I, good. I, I, like they're the, very I like the at-home commercials. The, the bottom line is nobody expected the Bengals to be there, and they're playing with house money. If they lose, guess what? They're going to be in the locker room. Hey, guys, we had an amazing season. We're going to build on it, and we're going to go forward to next year. 
if they lose, that's what's going to happen. If they win, they're going to continue the wave, and that's what's going to be. But the Bengals are a up-and-coming team in the NFL, and they've had probably the easiest the easiest stretch to get to the AFC Championship game I can remember. I mean, they played a Raiders team who is terrible. Didn't even deserve to be in the playoffs. No, they didn't have a head coach, and then they just fired their GM, and then they played the worst number one seed in the history of the NFL. So they've kind of got a cakewalk. They've kind of got a cakewalk. Now, granted, they had to win, so I give them credit, but if you're Cincinnati, you're playing with house money. At the end of the day, I'm very happy for the Bengals. I like Joe Burrow. I like Zach Taylor. But I ain't rooting for him on Sunday, I can tell you that. I know you're not. I believe it was 1989, the last time that the Bengals... It was 88, I believe, the last time that they won their division. And then in 1989 was the last time they made the Super Bowl. And who did they play? The San Francisco 49ers. So, could see a little bit of history repeating itself. Granted, I don't think... I don't think San Francisco is going to get past L.A., and I have thoughts on that that we can talk about too. But also, did you actually – yeah, I'll save that for next. But, like, I don't know. I definitely think it goes to show that Jamar Chase was the right pick. Uh, Aside from – it was like Panay Sewell was the other guy that was was the other option for them. But I do think, looking now, you make this run. Obviously, getting sacked nine times isn't good, but, I mean – you lose AJ Green, oh well. He wasn't much of a factor. He, for him the exactly last years. right, like he was like the number one guy there for how long after Ocho Cinco left, and you know whatever else. But like, oh well, you lose AJ Green, so what? <laughs> you bring in Jamar Chase, and that yeah. guy was definitely Stood. was definitely the right move, I think. So I mean, looking at the matchup, there were there were two teams. In this divisional round, that that really scared me. I wasn't scared of the 49ers, and I'm still not scared of the 49ers. Um, I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, there were two teams that scared me, and that was the Rams, because I believe that the Rams are the most complete team in the NFL right now. On all phases of the game, they are the most complete team in the NFL. And the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, and the reason they scare me, and we all saw it yesterday, is because I know what they're capable of. And everyone knows what they're capable of. Facts. Whether or not they had a bad start to the season, we know what they can do, and they showed it last night. And that's what scares me about them. I really think it's going to be Rams-Chiefs, and it'll be like a re- what was that rematch like yep. two, three 20, years ago? 2019. Something like that, where like, like they the put up like, the highest game. scoring game ever. 2018. 2018 yeah. Back in Todd Gurley's prime, RIP mm-hmm. that man, right? Yeah. But he ain't dead, but I don't know where he's at right now. He's just <laughs> he's floating the, around. He's, he's just not floating around. Team. The shortest, I think, he probably had the shortest stint of like a so disappointing high profile player ever. Like, good lord. Got the bag. Jeez. Yeah, I. It's just, it, and the other thing that goes into this matchup, if we're talking KC and, and Cincinnati, it's hard to beat the same team twice. And like I think this whole season has shown that. I've seen it over the past few years. I've been saying it this whole year, this whole playoff, whatever. It's hard to beat the same team twice. And I don't think Cincinnati is going to walk into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs twice. I just don't think it's just... I just don't think it's going to happen. Not an arrowhead, not against this team. It's not. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, we don't I would, I would love. I would love to see it. Right? It would be like, crazy. Good for Joe Burrow. It would like, be crazy. Nothing against the Chiefs, nah. but like, good for Joe Burrow. <laughs> but, like, I just don't I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, not at all. 
But now we keep on moving. I'm going into the in the order of the games yeah. in which they happen. Next up, we had later that Saturday night was the Green Bay Packers against the 49ers with the Packers falling 10 to 13 after a game-winning field 45-yard field goal by Robbie Gold in the snow at Lambeau. Colin, I'm so sorry. But uh, we got this clip from Stephen A. this morning, and you know is it, Stephen is A. Is it that he's no longer a bad man? Because I already it heard is. it. I, I know, but before clip. before yeah. before the world, yeah. you know Stephen A. Stephen yeah. A. has a man crush on Aaron Rodgers and always <laughs> has. So it, I know it hurts him to say this. So listen in. It's the worst loss of Aaron Rodgers' career. The bad man no longer applies. It's just one game in a lot of people's eyes, not mine. When he beat Chicago, he made news earlier this year. He said, I own you. I still own you. Mm -hmm. He forgot to mention who he's owned by. And that's the San Francisco 49ers in the postseason. Mm. 0-4. I don't give a damn what the weather conditions are. I don't give a damn if it was so foggy like it was in Chicago years ago that you can't see two feet in front of you. You can't lose that game. Can't do it. Now. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't beat him. The special teams beat him. I mean, block punt. <laughs> I mean, oh, that, that, that was a touchdown. They blocked a field goal. They gave up two big runs. The special teams was awful. And here's where Matt LaFleur, once again, is always somebody else other than Matt LaFleur. You pick the staff. You're accountable for them. One year is the defense. Another year is the offense. You take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, all of this stuff, even though you win in your 13 games during the regular season. Your special teams was worse all year yeah. long. Yeah. All it, year. It was, it was, you were all, all pro year. football focus had yeah. you rent and rated the worst special teams in all of football. And you go into this game and you allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. The defense for the Green Bay Packers gave up three points. I'm sorry, six points. It was six points. They played to win the game. Even with that said, you Aaron Rodgers. You with Matt LeFleur, <laughs> and you can't score more than 10 points at Lambeau Field in snowy conditions yeah. you're very, very familiar with. It's fun. I mean, I understand yeah. that San Francisco, Northern California, yeah. ain't Southern California, but they ain't got to deal with the weather conditions that you're accustomed to. They rolled on into Lambeau Field, Green Bay, Wisconsin, where the only thing that's relevant is Aaron Rodgers and Chief. That's it. And somehow, some way, found a way to hold you to 10 points. It is the worst defeat of Aaron Rodgers' career, and it could not have come at a worse time because after all that noise you made coming into the season, and then the noise you made by being the deliberate liar-in-chief with the whole immunization and all of that stuff, you got a playoff game. We threw all of that aside. And we said, all right, this is your time. Sure. This is your time. And you came up short. He could be handed the league MVP award. Right. And nobody That's gives what... a damn. You're the man who came up flagrantly short. It... Man, I just know that losing to Jimmy Garoppolo at home while you have a potential four-time MVP as your quarterback, I know that had to feel like a 12-gauge to the chest. I am so, so sorry. Yeah, you But, know, I mean, welcome to the club, I've been, bro. Uh, for those who don't know, I've been sitting up on my roof the last two days trying to find the meaning of life. Uh, <laughs> I, haven't found it. I haven't showered. I haven't eaten. 
Damn, that's um, what that smell was. I haven't really talked to anybody. Looking like one of the homeless guys in uh, Aggieville. No, I'm playing. <laughs> like, listen, listen. Obviously, it sucks, but like, the one thing, not a lot of things like make me angry or like, I don't know. Not a lot of gets like under my skin, but it's like people from Johnson County. <laughs> Anyone who went to KU or didn't go to KU and still roots for KU, y'all y'all get under my skin. Uh, and people that text me, oh, man, are you good? Are you okay <laughs> after they lose? Get out of here. Like, listen, it's a game. It's a game, guys. And, <clears throat> like, I'm fine. That's the thing. It's like all these other players probably all probably all angry. Devonta Adams is probably at the door. I don't know if you got this because I know I know that you played a lot of sports growing up. But like Friday nights for me, we would like lose a game, and then our coaches would be like, "Okay, you get one day. You you lose Friday night. You get Saturday to think about it. Get to recoup, rebuild. But then when Sunday rolls around, we got to move on." And here's my thinking: I sulked. I had my moment. And now we got to move on because there there are bigger things at you play. You are better here. than me. Bro. Well, I'm we, tell there you are this. bigger things at play here because Devontae Adams is a free agent. AJ Dillon's going to be wanting a bigger contract here in a few years. Marquise Valdez Scandling is a free agent. Randall Cobb is a free agent. Zadarius Smith is a free agent. Mason Crosby just had the worst statistical season of his career. He's a free agent. Rasul Douglas is a free agent. You're losing half your team. And you are the second worst cap space team in the league, negative $38 million. You cannot bring these players back. It's not going to happen. And I know that, like, Matt LaFleur came out earlier, right? And he said he talked with, like, decision makers, like, higher-ups on the team, like, whether that be players or whatever, and everybody wants Aaron to come back, and they're not going to rebuild. That it, It's just not possible. You can't not rebuild with the players you're about to lose. I think if they had more cap space, I could see Devontae Adams going to Philly. Ugh, with God, the amount of first-round picks that they have, don't they need a that. receiver. They have a quarterback, and they need to build around him. Because everyone's like, ah, Aaron's going to go to Denver. And then, shout-out Paxton Gordon. I know he loves to hear that. But he's going to go to Denver, and then Devontae's going to follow him, and like blah, blah, whatever else. I don't I don't like him in Denver. I don't like Devontae in Denver, especially if they don't get a new quarterback. I could see Devontae in Philadelphia. As much as I hate to say that, don't, don't I could say also that, say see Devontae with the Raiders, going back to Derek mm-hmm. Carr. That's another option, right? Going and playing with a guy that he played with in college and, like, two guys that they're really close to. And they, there were talks of that in the past, too, right, with Devontae, like – Derek Carr was like hitting up his phone trying to get him to like come work out, right? And Aaron was like, "No, nah, don't do that." If you're so, if you're Aaron Rodgers, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you, you're watching the playoffs and going, "Why the heck would I want to go in the AFC?" Yeah, for real. Yeah, I mean, why? Why? There's literally yeah. there's 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 no reason to. I mean, if he wants to stay in the NFC, you know, we have all offseason to talk about where he could end up. Yeah, but he's not coming to the AFC. No. I feel really confident in saying mm-hmm. that. He's the type of guy that he can sit here and say, well, I'm not afraid of a challenge. But guess what? When Patrick Mahomes wins on three weeks, he wins the Super Bowl because that's going to happen. I'm not afraid to say it. It's going to happen. Okay? It's going to happen. I'm not knocking on wood because it's happening. All right. Be All right. bold. All right. I am. It's very I don't even know if it's that bold. Hey, your boy back here knocked on wood for you, though. Yeah. So <laughs> here's the deal. He's going to already almost have a higher legacy than Aaron, Rod- than Aaron Rodgers at 26 years old. Why would you want to go in the AFC and try and play him? In the Super Bowl, 
or excuse me, in the AFC Championship every single year. There's no reason to. So Aaron Rodgers is staying. But as far as this game goes, I mean, it was a snoozer, let's be honest. Like, the whole game, I was not paying attention. I was on the edge of my seat. Well, yeah, I guess if you're a fan, if you're a fan, you're on the edge of your seat. I was on the edge of my seat that whole game. But as great as the Chiefs game was, that was great, and it's a whole different entirety. If you like defense, you were loving that game. If you like offense, you were watching the game. Amen. Shout out Jordan Willis. And honestly, I don't don't have much else to say about this game. I'll probably talk about it on my show whenever I upload that to Spotify later this week with, with, with my friend Nate. And I'll probably dive more into it because I know we got other stuff we need to talk about. So, like, I don't have much else to say. Uh, like, it sucks, but, you know, you got to move on. And that's – and that shout-out Jordan Willis. The special Packers teams special teams was bad all season, and it culminated, culminated whatever. It, like, encapsulated the entire season in this game. Oh, yeah, right? it, it so, definitely had a buildup. It was a – first it was a blocked field goal, yeah. then a blocked punt – and then they and this whole season, this whole season, and then they only had ten guys on the last. Ten play. guys on the yeah. last one. They let two guys average over yep. thirty, you know, punt return yards or kick return yards. I do that just want to really say happen. I watched this whole like deep dive into the scheme of how the 49ers did it. it was, Y'all, if you if you like football, like X's and O's, the way that the 49 like look into it because the way that the 49ers were able to do that, how they schemed it up, those blocks. Oh, like chef's kiss. Beautiful. Absolutely. But I also got to get onto the 49ers side. No, gosh, this, I hate this so much. That Jimmy Garoppolo, he just feels like that kid on the group project who puts his name in and turns <laughs> yeah, it in. Yeah, he doesn't do anything. Because this man, he has thrown one touchdown and four interceptions his yeah. last three games. Yeah. One was to make sure he gets into the playoffs. The other one was to beat the Dallas Cowboys. And the other well, didn't, one didn't the Debo, didn't Debo throw a touchdown yes, too? He's thrown Debo the same, amount, the same amount of touchdowns as Debo Samuel. As Jimmy Garoppolo, yes. And Debo Samuel, like, screw that guy. I just get, like, <laughs> Vietnam flashbacks of watching Cordero Patterson with the Vikings yeah. and watching him, like, run all over the place on Green Bay. And then I see Debo Samuel, and I'm like, it's amazing that Jimmy again. Garoppolo like, is in this situation. Oh, it's I hate crazy. it. This is, this is like, this it's is like, the biggest It's like he won four games privilege. for New England back however many seasons ago that was. And then he gets the job in San Fran, gets carried by his defense. Pretty and, like, I just don't. I hope he beats I don't the Rams. Get it. I hope he beats the Rams because I want the Chiefs to play him. This would be so utterly rematch, ridiculous. Rematch. And guess what? He's going to get to the Super Bowl, and then the 49ers are going to be like, eh, we don't want you. And they're going to have Trey Lance be their quarterback next year. It's set in stone. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go be the quarterback of, like, the Dolphins if they move on from Tua. Like, he's going to go somewhere. I think that's dumb. I think that's really dumb that he's going to go somewhere. Gonna move on from Tua. Oh, I also yeah. think it's dumb that Brian Flores got the axe. But My point oh, is Garoppolo. Yeah, that's dumb. Jimmy G's going to go yeah, somewhere next year. And he's gonna be a starter, and he's gonna play terrible, and then he's gonna play terrible to start the next season, and then he's gonna be out of the league. Bro, but if they, if they, there, he's already quote unquote leading them to the NFC Championship. Nah, game. it's that defense. So I'm not the only Get okay. The only here. people that like are the reason that the 49ers are where they are at is Kyle Shanahan. I will give that man props. Nick Bosa, he, he Fred a, Warner. I mean, like that entire that, 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 that entire defensive front seven for sure because they're secondary. And Trent Williams, I love Trent. Williams. Trent that picture Trent. him in Dallas. I don't yeah. know how you feel about that. <laughs> that probably makes you a little angry, but that's one of the funniest pictures I've seen in my entire life with the Cowboys fans like flipping him off, and he's just like smiling at him and laughing. Dude, that's one of the funniest oh, pictures yeah, I've I'm seen sure in my whole life. I'd be smiling too if I got away with five first like false starts. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but I, obviously, I'm over it. 
you know, obviously. Anyways, I'm fine. Um, but like, if Jimmy Garoppolo, like I said, quotes on quote unquote, gets them to the NFC Championship, which he's already done, and gets them to the Super Bowl, I have a hard time believing that they're going to just move on from him. Because I get mm-hmm. it, yeah. they drafted Trey Lance third overall. I think it was mm-hmm. for a reason. That's because Jimmy Garoppolo does not stay healthy. That's that's pretty much been his whole ordeal, and even for a good for a small, small portion of the season, he was also still unhealthy. Are we so, just are we are we casually like sliding into NFC Championship talk? No, this just I don't know I don't know if we're transitioning Garoppolo. or not. Oh, okay, it's just because okay. like I said, like it just it just amazes me how I mean I don't want to say like what he does is easy because I'm not stupid and playing quarterback in the NFL is not an easy job, but I'm just saying. For his position right now, he has had the easiest job all postseason. I just, this man has done nothing. His best game was against the LA Rams, where he threw for 316 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. That was his best game. (laughs) And look where they are right now. I'm just, I'm just flabbergasted. I just like, I see what, I see what the 49ers did against Green Bay on offense, which was nothing. And the Packers defense really isn't even that great. And the fact that they were able to hold them like that. Can you imagine what the Rams are going to do with mm. their defense? Oh lord. Like What's no, best? there's no if the Packers, if the Packers were able to shut down the 49er offense, I couldn't even imagine what the Rams are going to do. Well, I think we start talking about that game, you know. <laughs> it's kind of funny because we talked about K-State KU earlier, mm-hmm. you know, in the show and how K-State jumped out to this big lead and then KU came back and won. Well, guess what? The exact same thing happened in football fashion. Tom Brady tried to pull a Tom Brady. But guess what? Matthew Stafford said, I have Cooper Cup, and I'm going to beat Absolute you. dime. I was, I was legitimately about to throw my TV out the window if the Bucks won that game. Oh, yeah. Like, the fact that it's he would like, come, Tom Brady has to have something to come on the football back game, again, football absolutely gods. not. Some, some sort of beat. But There's we got to no move way. on because we only have five minutes left. So yeah. we have to talk about probably the game of the year was with the Kansas City Chiefs and – the Buffalo Bills, and I had a clip, but I don't think I got enough time to play it. But the main part of that clip was just this was probably the greatest QB versus QB game I think we have ever seen. Like they, like they both combined for I think seven seven hundred and seven passing yards and eight touchdowns, zero mm-hmm. interceptions. Do you know how rare of a game for that for something like that to even happen? And it's just so crazy because I was watching this game, I was like, yo, these guys, they're just. I, I honestly, I, I watched it and I was like, I hate that there had to be a loser. I, I really yeah. did because, I mean, like, and you had, what, 25 points the last two minutes of the game. That in, that in itself is insane. It just shows, like, those QBs are bad as hell. And also those defense are tired as hell because that's the only got, way that could happen. I got three things because I know Cole, because this is his team and I'm going to let him talk <laughs> about it. I got three things that I want to say and I'll leave it at that. One, NFL overtime is stupid. Very. And I think it's dumb. I hate that a coin flip decides – you know, that heavy of a thing, especially with a high power offense like Kansas City has. Nah, I just say, I just say, and I've been saying this for the past two years I've been talking on the station. I hate NFL overtime and it needs yeah. to be changed. I think the past 10 years, or at least, mm-hmm. no, since 2012, the overtime rules where the team who, you know, gets the toss yeah, first, yeah. they're 10 and 1 in yeah. overtime. That yeah. just, that's it's, unacceptable. It's ridiculous and it's stupid, right? Especially with the way that like Josh Allen played, let the quarterbacks keep dueling, man. At least give them a chance. That's my that's my spiel on that. Number two, the Kansas City Chiefs anger me as a football fan and as like a football head, like a nerd. I agree. The game of football is not easy, and Cole, you know that because you <laughs> played the game. But how in God's green earth did the Kansas City Chiefs make the game of football look so easy? 
And that that is what angers me the most, is they just make this game look easy. Because it's not an easy game, and I just hate that. Uh, and number three, Andy Reid spit bars after that game. <laughs> bars. Put that on the If t-shirt. things look grim, be the Grim Reaper. That's going to be on bumper stickers oh, Lord. On, on Mack trucks everywhere. That was incredible, but... What grinds my gears on that is it's going to be like that one popular like pop song and it gets on the radio and they just keep playing it and it gets overused and it's going to lose all meaning. And I think everyone's going to be like, the Grim Reaper, and it's going to be like... Yeah, you're right. That's it's gonna it's going to get overused. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. It's going to get overused. It's already been overused and it hasn't even been 24 hours. Like, I love the quote and when I first heard it, I it's lost dope. my mind. I was it's like, dope. that is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. But it's going to get overused, and I already think it's been overused, and it just, uh, it just pisses so me So in my off. mind, and this is the last thing I'll say. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you. Yeah, minutes. you got the floor. I gave my thing. You, you got the floor. You guys have seen Rocky Two, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So there's a scene at the end of the movie. Sylvester Stallone and Carl Weathers, a.k.a. Rocky and Apollo Creed, are going, and it's the best boxing match the world has ever seen. Set. Per- it's almost like it should be in a movie, right? It's almost like it should be in a movie. Boom, boom, hit after hit after hit after hit. You got Mick in the corner. And they, get up! Get up! Guess what happens? They punch each other, and they both fall down at the same time. Guess what happened? The Bills scored a touchdown with two minutes left. Tyreek Hill scored a touchdown with one minute left. Then what happened? The Bills went down and scored another touchdown. And then the Chiefs got in field goal range with 13 seconds. They both got punched at the same time, and they're saying, get up, get up, the coin flip. Decides it. Apollo Creed goes and grabs the railing, but he slips. And Rocky stands up. The Chiefs win the coin toss. You knew the game was going to be over. Go down. They win the game. Guess what? I say Bills and Chiefs or Rocky too. You tell me. I don't know. But I will say that that is the greatest football game I've ever watched. And it just felt right. Screw the Super Bowl. Give me a seven-game series. I know that's Give me a seven-game series between the Chiefs and the Bills, and I'll be happy, man. That's that's all I got. It it shouldn't have ended the way it ended. That's that's the best way I can say it. And it stinks that it had to do it. NFL, Roger Goodell, please change the rules. Y'all know y'all can change rules very easily. Fix the Pro Bowl, too, dang it. I got got so much else that I have to say, but I'm not going to say it. Fix the overtime. Fix the Pro Bowl. Fix, Fix all of that. But, guys, this has been the end of our show. We thank you so much for being able to be here and listen to us. We had Colin Sell and Cole Carmody, and you can listen to me every single Monday here on Wildcat 91.9. Thank you all so much. Peace out.